Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Unlock the voice of revival or revival voice. Amen. And so I'll do just a just like a couple of paragraphs of, of refreshing. If you didn't get the message, you're going to have to just go back and watch it. Because I, I told a story, which I'm not going to tell today, of a dream I had. And it, everything kind of flew from that, all right? And I know that I know that it was for such a time as this. But um, God is speaking something right now. And we need to learn the power of when we lift our voices of revival and the assignment on this house, how it clears open the way. Um, in territories, amen, in hearts and in territories. So last week we saw how God prepares voices to prepare the way. He prepares voices to prepare the way for his presence and for his glory and for revival and awakening. John the Baptist, as I preached into last week, was a chosen voice. Please tell your neighbor you're a chosen voice. Tell him, say it's for such a time as this. John the Baptist was a chosen voice, a forerunner. And so I said this quickly last week, but I want to emphasize, I believe he became a prototype of the voice of a revivalist. He became the prototype of the voice of a revivalist. And this voice, especially in this day in the church, after a couple of decades or so of just nonsense in the church, come on somebody, we need Elijah to rise up and unlock the revival voice. A prototype is, 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 of course, defined as the original in which something is based or formed. It serves to illustrate the typical qualities of a model. And so I go back to John chapter 1, verse 22 through 23, and they said to him, Who are you? They said to John the Baptist, Who are you? Tell us so that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you, my goodness, what do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying aloud in the wilderness. I am the voice of one shouting in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. Level, straighten out the path of the Lord. I am the voice of one crying aloud in the wilderness, the voice of one shouting in the desert, the wilderness, the desert, indicative of dry spiritual places, come on, of places that have been shut down to the oil and the flow and the, as my husband was decreeing earlier, the river and the rushing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we need voices that will cry out in the dry places, preparing the way of the Lord, level and straighten out the path of the Lord. I'll let you be seated in a moment. As we looked at our own assignment here on the voice of this house, we see that we are to prepare the way. Everybody say, prepare the way. My God, for revival. We are to cry loud, spare not. We can't hold back, fresh start. We got to raise our voices as trumpets to prepare the way of the Lord. No matter what pushes back, come on. No matter what we sang it this morning, that's why they wrote that song, Push Back. They wrote that song because we've had a lot of pushback. So what do we do? Push back. Come on. 
prepare the way. We raise our voices as trumpets. Prepare the way of the Lord. We learned last week that sound moves things out of the way. Come on. So we keep moving obstacles, obstacles to revival out of the way. We must keep lifting our voices, creating movement in the spirit, intentionally challenging and moving the resistance and the obstacles to revival out of the way. On your way down to your seat, look at three or four people and say, rise up, Elijah. Come on, tell them. Sound prepares the way. Thank you, guys. Sound, we learned last week, prepares the way. It brought Jericho walls down. How many know what I'm talking about? It opened prison doors for Paul and Silas. Come on. If you feel like you're in a prison today, come on, in the spirit or, or the enemy has you hedged in, just start praising Jesus. Come on. Just start singing. I told you last week, before you left, when we were in the altar, just start singing, start whistling, start humming a tune of worship. Come on, doesn't matter if it's on key, off key, loud, soft, whatever. Come on. You're going to know it's working when you start annoying the religious or the heathen. Come on. Everybody shout, break it open. Come on. We break it open with our sound. We break it open with our worship, our praise, our declaration, our prayer, our intercession. Sound prepares the way. We learned this last week. It brought the Jericho walls down. It opened the prison doors for Paul and Silas. It will one day, sound will one day announce the return of Jesus Christ. Come on. The second return of Jesus Christ to this earth, the readiness of the hearts of people cannot be ignored. How will they know unless they have a voice that says, you better get ready. Come on. You better get ready. You better get ready because Jesus is coming back. Come on. We learned last week that John's assignment was to vocally prepare the way for the Lord spiritually, but vocally he was a voice. He was a voice to turn the hearts back to God and make ready a people for the Lord. Because of this, here we go. He met much resistance. Come on. He met much resistance. But there are some key aspects of John's voice, his mantle, that we've got to look at if we're going to fully unlock the revival voice. Amen? Are you ready for it this morning? Are you ready for it this morning? Luke chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. I'm going to throw some things out here to you today. I have a main part that I'm going to get to, but I need to say a couple of things. We're going to look at John. We're going to look at his voice. We're going to look at his assignment. Because as I said a moment ago, I believe he is a prototype of the voice of a revivalist. And around here, we raise revivalists. Come on, somebody. I know we're to make disciples, but I'm just going to tell you some. No more wimpy disciples. Come on, guys. We got to raise revivalists. Somebody help me. It's another sermon for another time. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Now, I know last week I made a comment on that. Um, he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I added a comment that neither should we drink wine or liquor. And so, <laughs> true to kind, as I just want to make religion mad, I'm going to say that again.
I do not, now stay standing, especially some of y'all down here. Stay standing as I look at some of our revivalists here that were once addicted to the substance. that you are casually sipping just to make religion that. I look at these men and these women that gave their life over to a substance that wrecked their lives, that almost wrecked their marriages, come on, that devastated their physical bodies, and you tell me that you wanna go near that substance, and your rationale is that it doesn't say anywhere in the Word of God that it's gonna send me to hell? Put this on replay, come on. Wake up, body of Christ. Wake up, charismatics. Wake up, Pentecostals. Wake up. Wake up. If I were to let them come and tell their story, they would tell about devastated nights and even more devastating mornings where they woke up in the after fact of the substance of what grabs all the hold of you. And as I said last week, it's not just a physical thing. It's a mental altering of your thought processes. And as a Christian, I want to give myself to that. I don't think so. So just to make some uncomfortable, just to make some religion mad, I'll say it again. You need to leave it alone. You need to leave it alone. Hallelujah. So anyway, John the Baptist is said he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord, their God. This was a Nazarite vow, a Nazarite heart. John the Baptist, like Samson and Samuel, was a Nazarite. In Bible times, a Nazarite vow was taken to symbolize total abandon to God, total abandon to God in all aspects of a life lived. He's not just after your life, he's after your lifestyle. The Nazarite or the Nazarite vow was taken by individuals or is taken by individuals who voluntarily dedicate their entire life to the Lord, themselves to God. The vow is a decision. It is an action and a desire on the part of the person whose desire is to yield themselves to God completely. The Hebrew word, which I won't try to pronounce, but it simply means to be separated or to be consecrated. Come on, somebody. I said to be separated and to be consecrated. The Apostle Paul said it like this, if you need New Testament, therefore I urge you brothers, Romans 12, 1 and 2, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
This is why we have to protect our mind. And we don't want anything that would alter our mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. There are a lot of voices out there today. Come on. There's a lot of voices, a lot of Christian voices out there. And of course, there's a lot of non-Christian voice. But let's just go to the Christian voice. Not every voice is preparing the way of the Lord. Not every voice. Some are just making noise. Come on. A Nazarite heart will set it apart. I'm going to say it again. Not every voice is preparing the way of the Lord. Not every voice has been unlocked unto revival. A Nazarite heart is what will set the voice apart. Come on. Did that make sense? For Christians, the ancient Nazarite vow symbolizes the need to be separate from this world, a holy people consecrated to God. The voice of revival, my friends, will never unlock if there is a grip of the world on your vocal cords. Because the revival sound, this is what is so dangerous today. Because there's, there's, there's revival rhetoric that's going forth, forth, but has the revival voice been unlocked? Because the sound cannot be copied. The sound must be cultivated. And it is cultivated in the heart of a Nazarite. That's why I say the Nazarite heart will set the voices apart. Come on. Singing in harmony with the sound of revival requires a total abandon to his sound alone. This is obviously referring to our personal heart consecration, but also our desire to hear the sound of heaven and the rhythm, as we say, of the lion of the tribe of Judah and to vocalize that sound at the high place, as I talked about last week. Any mixture will lead to confusion and delusion. And I know we preached a lot about mixture. It, I preached about it many, many years ago, and we've not stopped preaching about it. Why? In connection with with revival because this is the subtle plot of the enemy he'll let you talk revival but if you don't have come on if you haven't unlocked that part of your heart that is the Nazarite consecrate oh I'm saying something he'll let you be a rhetoric all day long my friend as long as the world has your vocal cords he's got you producing a pseudo fake sound are you hearing what I'm saying it cannot be copied it must be cultivated and I'm up here today to say the only thing that we can allow to be vocalized at the high place is the pure sound that comes from the throne room and the heart of a Nazarite don't you try to mix it with anything else because it leads to confusion and delusion I came armed and ready today. Or what's the one? Locked and loaded? I don't know. All that. Now, while the crux of my message today isn't on the Nazarite life, it is valuable to the purity of a revival voice. Be careful who you listen to. Hallelujah. 
careful who you listen to. Hallelujah. It's very difficult to express. <clears throat> but in the world of music, um, if you have a musical ear, <laughs> you know when something's off. Okay? It's hard to describe, but you're like, And you'll be like, <laughs> if you don't have a musical ear, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about right now. But you'll be like, <sighs> you know, some people can just listen to anything. And they'll be going around and be like, my God, how can they listen to that? It's just a little off. As revivalists, we must ask the Lord for spiritual musical theory understanding. Music theory in the natural is a theory or an understanding of music, literal music, by notes, chords, sounds. It's almost like the math of, of music, if you will. Apply that to the spirit realm and ask God, to, in, in the context of unlocking the voice of revival, for ears to hear the pure sound. Come on. We must have in this season ears to hear the pure sound because this sound cannot be copied. It must be cultivated. And a Nazarite heart will set the voices apart. I'll move on. That might be another sermon one day. Come on, somebody. But John the Baptist was called a forerunner in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. He was called a forerunner in the spirit and the power of Elijah. We're talking about unlocking the revival voice. Luke 1 17, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, Jesus, in the spirit and in the power of, say it with me, Elijah. In the spirit and in the power of, say, Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready, here we go, to make ready, to break open, to prepare the way for the Lord. Matthew chapter 11, verse 7 through 15, Jesus is speaking again about John the Baptist. And he's, as the people were leaving, I love this scripture. This is in the Passion Translation. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about who? John. They, he said, what kind of man did you see when you went out into the wilderness? Come on, somebody. Did you expect to see a man who would be easily intimidated? Who is he? Did you expect to see a man decked out in splendid fashion of the day? Those who wear fancy clothes live like kings in palaces. Or did you encounter a true prophet out in the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a prophet like those of the past, but he is even more than that. He was the fulfillment of scripture. See, I am sending my prophetic messenger who will go ahead of me and prepare hearts to receive me. For I tell you the truth, throughout history, there has never been a man who surpasses John the baptizer, yet the least of those who now experience heaven's kingdom will become even greater than he. 
Verse 12, we know, we know very well. This is the Passion Translation. We know it in other translations. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent ones take it by force. The translation of uh, Passion says, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, from the moment that the voice stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth or breaking through. The moment that the voice stepped on the scene is the moment that the realm of heaven's kingdom is breaking through and busting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. For all the prophets in the Torah prophesied until John appeared. If you can receive this truth, this is Jesus talking. Watch now. John is Elijah who was destined to come. Jesus says, so listen and understand what I'm telling you. Come on. John is the Elijah who was destined to come. So listen and understand what I am telling you. Moving ahead of Jesus in time was this man named John, a voice. He would break into a very volatile, hostile, religiously pious atmosphere of man-ruled hearts and minds that were being herded along by religious protocol and stifled passions due to a monochromatic or a dull operation of the flesh that is my quote come on somebody I said this voice would break into a volatile, hostile, religiously pious atmosphere of man-ruled hearts and minds that were herded along by religious protocol and stifled passions due to a monochromatic or a dull operation of the flesh. And his job description was to break it open. Come on. His job description was to move things out of the way. His job description was to turn their hearts and to make a people ready for the Lord. He was to be a forerunner that would bust open and break open the restricted areas and to level the high places and to lift the low places. And whatever it took, he was to prepare the way of the Lord. This is why John didn't care and Elijah about their reputations. They didn't care what people thought about them. They didn't care what people thought about how they looked, how how they dressed, how they sounded. They didn't care if they offended religiosity or demonic spirits. They had one assignment. They had to unlock the voice of awakening and revival so that the Lord could pass through and heal a land. And he would specifically carry John Wood the spirit and the power of Elijah. Even so much that Jesus said, John himself is Elijah who was to come. And Jesus follows up the statement with a comment. He says, you better listen. 
Why was Jesus speaking like this? Because he was pointing them to the Old Testament prophets who prophesied that this voice was going to be coming onto the scene. Come on. Jesus was talking about the voice that was going to be coming onto the scene. So Jesus was speaking. You better listen to what I'm saying. He was pointing them to the Old Testament prophets who prophesied that there would be one who would prepare the way. You see, the people that he was speaking to, this to, they quoted the Old Testament all the time, but they were blinded. Come on, somebody. They're even were deaf, their hearts were dull because of the protocol and the pious uh, perversion that they had been in in religious flesh, man-made ideas and so on and so forth. So Jesus is saying, you better wake up and you better listen to what this man has to say because he's preparing the way for the very one that you are praying for. And Jesus says, I am he. Come on. Just as religion and the demonic warfare kept eyes blinded to Jesus, it also keeps kept eyes blinded to John, the voice. And I just say this to us today in this house and to the body of Christ. Before the second coming of Jesus Christ, there are going to need to be some voices that have been unlocked that will prepare the way of the Lord in the same way that John did in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Shout yes in this room. Tell three people, rise up, Elijah. Come on. Let me hurry. There's a key verse. It's verse number 12 in this passage. And it tells us a crucial element to unlocking the revival voice. It says, from the moment that John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of of heaven's kingdom is breaking through. It's bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. The uh, commentary on this says that the kingdom of heaven is entered into by force and the violent ones take hold of it. Did you know that violent ones affect in the religious atmosphere. Come on. And when I say violence, I'm not talking about punching each other in the face or the gut. I'm talking about spiritual intensity. Come on, somebody. We have lost spiritual intensity in the body of Christ. Hear what I'm about to say. If you look at the Greek word in this, uh, uh, excuse me, the Hebrew word, it becomes a clear reference to Micah chapter 2 verse 13 that talks about Jesus, the Messiah, the breaker who is breaking forth. Can I say to us today that passionate people are revival voices, come on, like John the voice, who are spiritually intense in the sense of laying hold of all that God has, paying a price, even in the face of spiritual warfare and self-denial and making a Nazarite vow to the Lord to obey and prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus connected this spiritual violence to the radical lifestyle of John the Baptist. That John was the greatest had nothing to do with his ministry. Jesus had a bigger ministry than John. John's lasted a very short time. That John was the greatest. Jesus was referring to John's spiritual intensity and his resolve and his no compromise heart posture. But Jesus said, John was like that, but you can be like that too. Come on. I need some voices to prepare the way. So we see here that John's voice contains breakthrough, spiritual intensity, the heart of a Nazarite, and the spirit and the power of Elijah. The authority and the power of God. 
It's no wonder that warfare resisted that voice. Come on. The kingdom of heaven is entered into by force and the violent ones take hold of it. I'll say it again. Revivalists are hardcore disciples. Quit it with your low-level commitment. Come on. Rise up. We're not breaking anything open by our half-hearted commitment to anything. We're raising revivalists, hardcore disciples. Unfortunately, the TED Talks and the palatable platform charades in the pulpits of America over the last couple of decades are producing a weak and anemic people who aren't equipped to take it by force. As I stated last week, there are few voices and more parrots. Come on, somebody. There is a big difference in revival rhetoric and revival voice. Help me, y'all. There's a big difference in revival rhetoric and revival voice. Behind the rhetoric, you may find a large entourage, but behind the voice you will find, come on somebody, a path that has been broken open behind the voice. You'll see a bloody, come on now, a bloody, come on, wound here and wound there. Why? Because they took the hit to break open the path. Come on. They don't care about an entourage following them. All they want, how? No matter the warfare, is to break open the way for the king of glory. Yes? My concern is that we have parrots and rhetoric preparing the way of a facade, a smooth, underhindered way to revival. This is not Bible, and that is not revival. Hallelujah. Rise up, Elijah. Revival is surrounded by warfare. If you're a true voice, when that voice gets unlocked, you must learn to deal with the swirl of pushback at the threshold of more. And this is where many back off and they settle for the entourage. But no way has been open. Nothing has been established. Everything is pointing to them and not to him. You've got to learn to deal with the swirl of pushback at the threshold of more. All throughout, the more of what? The more of his presence, the more of his glory, the more of his kingdom realm, the more. Authority, more territory, come on. New wineskin, new fullness, more to the assignment. You got to be prepared to deal with the pushback, the swirl. We see this all throughout the Bible. The goal of the enemy is to wear you out to make you quit or ultimately side with him. Anything he has to do to impede or to stop the voice that prepares the way. Anytime there is a breaking through voice to the kingdom, to the more of God, the more of his presence, more of his glory, anytime we take new territory, think about it, Fresh Start Revival family. 
In a couple of weeks or so, there will be over 37 uh, 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 states in our nation represented in this place and two different countries, three counting America. There will be warfare and pushback and resistance of the enemy. We have many across the nation and the nations of the earth voicing a desire for revival. But we must understand that with that voiced desire, there will be following a vicious demand to withstand the swirl of pushback from the enemy. Why? Because Revelation tells us the dragon is enraged with the woman, the church, and went off to make war with the rest of her children. Look at your neighbor say, that's you, that's you, that's you, who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Hang on, I'm taking you somewhere this morning. This is all for a purpose today. Because of the influence of the voice of revival, we must be aware of, the, of, of what it takes to unlock it, but what is going to come against it. A revival voice will trigger the stir and the swirl of the enemy. It comes in many forms and manifestations, and you better be ready. Come on. The amount of territorial attention that I just alluded to from the assignment of this revival stirs a swirl of the demonic. It is an intentional agitating from the enemy to try to get you, try to get me, try to get us off course. This is nothing new, nothing that we have not experienced and dealt with or seen before. Some of you have not seen it or dealt with it or been a part of it, so you need to be made aware of the swirl if the full voice of revival is going to be unlocked. What is a swirl? A swirl is a rotating or a rotation of a combination of things that is usually giving way to confusion because of all of the components that are happening at the same time. Did I lose you or are you still with me this morning? I said the swirl is a rotating or a rotation of a combination of things usually giving way to confusion because of all of the components that are happening at one time. And I'll pause and say this, this is why we must develop hardcore revival disciples and not weak anemic because they will not be able to stand up to the end time pressure and swirl of the demonic. There is a swirl of the demonic that is trying to shut down the revival voice. But I came to expose it today and say in the name of Jesus, you will not touch the voice of this house. You can usually recognize the swirl when people get squirrely. Don't look to your right or to your left. And the swirl is always sent to sabotage revival destiny. The deception of this swirl is that it causes many times innocent people to get sidelined. Innocent people to get sidetracked. Innocent people to make wrong choices, to listen to wrong voices, 
to go to the wrong places, to get aligned with the wrong faces. <laughs> that just was awesome. I'm going to say it again. The swirl will cause innocent people to get sidelined, sidetracked, make wrong choices, listen to wrong voices, go to the wrong places, and get aligned with the wrong faces. The list is long and the devil is strong when you, my friend, get caught in the swirl. I came to help some of you out of the swirl. You say, I don't see the swirl. I say, that's the problem. I say that's the problem. I don't recognize it. That's the problem. You've got to be careful, my friend, not to get caught in the swirl. And even more, don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of creating the swirl. You say, I thought it was the demonic. It is the demonic, but he needs some flesh to work through in order to affect the sound of the voice. And I came ah, to protect the voice of this house. What do you do when the swirl comes, Pastor Kim? You've got to diffuse it with the spirit and the power of Elijah. You've got to diffuse it. Tell your neighbor, diffuse it, diffuse it. The swirl, diffuse it with the spirit and the power of Elijah. Luke 1, he will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. The revival voice will diffuse any swirl of the demonic that tries to deter and to destroy revival. It diffuses it with the spirit and the power of Elijah. How do I diffuse it? I interrupt it with revival voice. This is why I'm preaching like I'm preaching this morning. The swirl has to be interrupted. There was a number of years early in our ministry when we would just let the swirl keep going. But one day we crossed the threshold and said, bless God. I love Jesus more than I love you. Messing up what he's trying to do. So there has to be a voice that is set, that, that, that it is shot into the swirl of the enemy because the longer you let that thing swirl, the stronger it gets. How? But I came to shoot a revival arrow into any swirl of the demonic to protect the voice of revival. Come on. In the Old Testament, the principality called Jezebel <laughs> manifested through a woman with the aid of her husband, Ahab. The story is involved, but the bottom line was that Ahab, the Bible says, became the most wicked, evil king ever, ever over, over the nation due to alliances with his wife, Jezebel. She brought the wickedness, this is a short version, of Baal worship into Israel, and the people got caught in the swirl. And 
and they begin to get sidelined and sidetracked. And they begin to make wrong choices. They begin to listen to wrong voices. They begin to go to wrong places and get aligned with the wrong faces. This is in the Bible. This is in the Bible. But God had a voice. And his name wasn't John, but it was the spirit and the power of this man that John operated in. And a, a revival voice will as well. His name was Elijah. So all y'all wondering why we're saying rise up Elijah. Here you go. The Bible says that Elijah began to speak up. He made and he entered with an announcement. Are y'all ready? He told Ahab's servant, servant. Now Ahab was married to Jezebel and, and was uh, a lethargic and passive about allowing her. You see, Jezebel had no authority, so that principality had to steal Ahab's authority. Are you with me? And so Elijah, the voice, comes in and says, go tell Ahab, watch this. Do y'all have that scripture? Elijah is here. Now leave that up there. Go and tell Ahab, Elijah is here. Elijah is here. He wasn't announcing his name. He was announcing God's authority as the prophet. He would not be announcing a man himself, but the power and the authority that he represented in God Almighty. You go tell Ahab, Elijah's here. You getting the picture while we say, rise up, Elijah? Are you getting the picture? And don't you know, at that moment, this principality started reeling. Oh, yes, it did. You read your Bible story. Where did this voice come from? This voice many times will come out of nowhere. Come on. Because this spirit, whether it be Jezebel or whether it be a religious, which are, are one in tandem there, any kind of thing will start, will begin to operate and begin to manipulate and begin to move and begin to swirl, 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 swirl. When God looks down, he says, I have had enough. Elijah, get up, announce yourself. Because the one thing that diffuses the swirl of the demonic is a voice that is mantled with the spirit and the power of Elijah. First Kings 18, 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, are you, are you he who troubles Israel? Really? This is what delusion and deception will, will, will do. It will cause you to see the good guys as the bad guys and the bad guys as the good guys. Can I, can I say that again, America? Can I say that again, America? America? This delusion and this deception will cause you to see the good guys as the bad guys and the bad guys as the good guys. Are you he who troubles Israel? This was a direct challenge against the capacity of Elijah's voice. And Elijah didn't take one step back. He didn't falter. He didn't cower. All he said is he lifted a counter challenge. And this is how you diffuse the swirl of the demonic that is keeping the voice locked down. Is you offer a counter challenge. Elijah replied, I have not troubled Israel, but you 
have and your father's house by forsaking the commandments of the Lord and by following the bells. Therefore, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the goddess Asherah who eat at Queen Jezebel's table, who fellowship and come into agreement with Jezebel at her table. He said, bring them here. The big deal? This is a big deal. Because Jezebel kills God's voice and God's vision. <sighs> Tries. Demonic witchcraft within that spirit and principality and within the Ahab spirit led to all of the prophets of God in the Bible, the voices of revival, if you will, being killed and being silenced. Are you tracking with me? Hang on, I'm taking you somewhere. There needed to be a challenge and no one would challenge it. Come on, America. I said there needed to be a challenge and no one would challenge it in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, do you know why we sing rise up, Elijah? If you look at our government, if you look at things that are happening in this nation, now do you understand why the ecclesia, the highest governing body should be rising up? Come on, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Why, why do we not challenge this spirit in America today? Why do we cower? Why are you tolerating Jezebel and even cohabitating with that spirit today? The full answer may be for another sermon, but I came to sound the alarm today. There are voices of revival that need to be unlocked. You need to be unlocked. You need to be unlocked. And you need to get out of the swirl of the demonic. Stop being overtaken by the mindset of the swirl, making wrong choices and aligning with wrong forces. God sent me to defuse the swirl today. 100 voices, Elijah found out, have been hidden. 100, right? 50 here and 50 there, correct? Have been hidden. And there were 7,000 who had not bowed their knee to Baal. The devil will get you caught in the swirl, pastors. He'll get you caught in the swirl of everything going on here, there, yon, the swirl of this, the swirl of that. He'll get you up underneath the thumb of that principality of Jezebel. You hear what I'm saying? And he'll make you think there ain't nobody left. There ain't nobody out there. But the Lord is saying there's been a hundred hidden and there are 7,000 who have not bowed their knee. There are 7,000. Come on. That may not sound like a lot, but I'm telling you, God has worked with much less than 7,000. So this is what I say to the revival voices. Start singing at the high places. Come on, Eagle Owls. Come on, Eagle Owls. Come on, Eagle Owls. Start shouting over the territories. Start crying loud and sparing not. Raising your voice and announcing to the principalities and powers of darkness, Elijah is here. And I would say for the critics and the cynics and all of the Facebook uh, theologians that are sitting out there, I am not saying that I am Elijah or we are Elijah. In the last days, God is raising up a breed of believers. Hang on with me. I got another turn I'm going to make here. You're not expecting it. He's raising up a breed of believers with an inward dwelling of the Elijah spirit. They will have a Nazarite consecration. That creates a capacity to overcome the swirl because the swirl will always, it will always have an attempt to throw the swirl at you, at us, at revival voices. 
but these voices will diffuse it with truth. Come on. And confront it. Confront it. Anything false and anything fake. They'll have a burning for God. Righteousness. Have a stand against evil and what it does to people and to territories. They will be forerunners. Their voices will ring clear against the chaos and the delusion. They will rise up in the spirit and the power of Elijah. What does the swirl look like? Hmm. <clears throat> Controversy. And this is going to be on a mass scale, or this can be on an individual scale, a family uh, unit, be in a church. What does swirl look like? Controversy. It's like, <laughs> controversy. If you read the story of Ahab and Jezebel and the story in the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of these things taking place in other places. Debate, contention, strife, arguing, disputing a matter, giving your opinion, controversy. Controversy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Look, let's just speak corporately here. Let's just speak to your family. You know what? <clears throat> There's a thing in the Bible called the fruit of the Spirit. Come on. And you can speak in tongues, but act like the devil. Come on. This can happen under our roof, or it can happen in a house like this. Controversy, debate, or contention, disputing a certain matter, giving your opinion. We may not say everything right in this house. Imagine back, Apostle Rick, I'm just going to say this before I get there. The message that he preached on that Friday, Saturday night, he did not intend to preach that message. Now, I'm going to get to that in a second. It was a move of the glory of God that came in on that revival night, and then he got up and just followed the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you what, folks, he nailed it. The Holy Spirit through him nailed it. And he said something like this. He goes, look, they're not going to say, always say everything right. We're not perfect people. And in case the last time you checked, you need to be reminded, you're not perfect people either, okay? We're all of us, all of us. <clears throat> but he will throw controversy into the swirl. Be careful, be careful what you feel free to debate. The moment that I sense debate from anyone, I'm like, Pfft. no way because that's a religious spirit. And sometimes there's a thread of truth possibly in what they're presenting, but it's not just what they're presenting, it's how they're presenting it. He'll throw sickness into the swirl. Let's take another little avenue. Some of y'all feel much better about this one than the controversy one. The devil knows if he can, it's true. He knows if he can impede our physical body, he limits the power of our voice. This is why we must have a resolve to believe for signs and wonders and miracles in this place. Sickness, controversy, swirl. Do you, you see it starting? Here's a good one. Distractions. Within the swirl of the enemy, there are strategic distractions of the demonic. The enemy knows what grabs your attention. 
He knows where your weak areas of compromise are and will appeal to that as a distraction in your life. Anything, he will throw anything as a distraction to dilute the power of the voice. We must have ears to hear as Jesus exhorted us because there are many distractions. It is a list too long to begin, but one common thread is that they are sent to distract the revival voice from accomplishing its true assignment. Are y'all still with me? The voice of Elijah, the voice of John was sent to show people the way into the more. Anything that the swirl can do to keep us busy and to keep us distracted from doing that one thing, it'll be thrown into the swirl. So what have I come to do today? Diffuse the distractions. Come on. Saying Elijah is here. The spirit and the power of Elijah. You better watch the distractions. I'm telling you, you better watch it. Why are you preaching? like this pastor Kim because I said it earlier in a couple of weeks we will have territories represented in this place from all over this nation are you with me and I refuse to allow some silly swirl of the demonic to diffuse and to try to intimidate and debate and to come on somebody even sickness come on even an accident come on somebody are you hearing what I'm saying impede the revival voice. The devil is a liar. I'm teaching you that if your voice is going to be unlocked, you better know how to stand against the pushback of the swirl. He'll throw fear and intimidation into that swirl. Obviously, this causes a voice to back off in many cases and go on mute. It happened to Elijah after winning over Jezebel's prophets, but God wasn't done yet. She sent messengers for fear and intimidation, but God wasn't done yet. And he goes, here, Elijah, here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to get it. Here's how you're going to come against that principality. Elijah, I want you to go and I want you to anoint more in your place. Because one chases a thousand, but two, come on, causes more of the swirl to be diffused. Oh, hear me now. Hear me now. The more more voices that are anointed, the more voices that are unlocked, the more that diffuse the swirl in this nation. Hear me now. We're not called to just go to church and be good Christians. We're called to be voices that diffuse the swirl. Lawlessness. He'll get you going against God's way. Obviously, this is seen in our nation today. Stay with me. But it can be in your own life. Hear this, please. Did you know that it is possible to do right things with a spirit of rebellion behind it? Wow. It's lawlessness. When you attach rebellion to anything, even good things, it becomes wrong and it has become part of the swirl. When you do good things, but it has rebellion and rebellious drive and motivation behind it, it is then wrong. That's good. He'll throw pride and perversion, distortion into the swirl. 
Can I tell us today that arrogance distorts the sound? May I remind you that the root of religion is perversion? Come on. Distortion. Don't tack a distorted voice onto a pure sound and try to piggyback into revival. I say, dig your own well. I say, get your own oil. I say, find the pure vein. I say, otherwise, back off. Elijah is here. Disunity. (laughs) Hallelujah. What are you using your mouth for? Pastor Rick hit this, but I'm going to hit it. If you are a gossiper, you are wrong. And I'm just saying it so we can all pray about it. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're saying it so you can sow seeds of discord. You're saying it so you can plant a seed to get something in the mind of another person about another person, about a revival, about a church, so you can get them on your side. Did you know that this is literally how our political system works today? Slam the other guy so much. Wake up. The Bible has much to say about this. Why are you preaching so hard this morning? Bible says that a, a tailbearer or a whisperer separates friends. A whisperer. Whisperer. People are getting nervous. It's 12, 16. If you were here last week, it was a bit different last week. The Holy Spirit said, diffuse this world. We're getting ready to affect territories across this nation. Diffuse this world. I don't have time for your gossip. We love you. We want to pastor you. Come on, guys. Let's get it right. Stop this little stuff in between, here, there, yawn. Stop it. It's not worth the cost of what God has birthed in this house. If you have something that you'd like to say to my husband and I, we'll think about listening to it. And I say, think about it because we've been in ministry 37 and a half years. There's things we listen to and there's things we don't listen to. I'm just saying. Disunity. A perverse man sows strife. That's Bible. That's not me. A distorted man sows strife. A whisper separates close friends. We got to keep our mouth off the move of God. Okay, so then there's a fence, and Pastor Rick dealt with this, but let me just say it from this vantage point. We're unlocking the revival voice, and you got to learn to deal with the swirl, and these are things that the enemy throws into the swirl. A big one is a fence. 
part of the swirl, as I've seen for 37 and a half years of ministry, is he'll look for victims to use to cause disunity and to cause offense. Why? Because victims are used to try to steal victory. Why? Because a victim doesn't really want victory, they want attention. Now you hear me now, because I've heard stories from people, many of them you, of course, how life has beat you up and how and some of it was your wrong choices and some of it was the wrong choices of others in your life. Some things you could help, some things you couldn't help, but you were thrown into chaos in your life. Some of you very early on in your life. Do you have a choice now, my friend? You have a choice. You can remain a victim or you can walk into victory. You must not continue to believe the accusations of the enemy. If you continue to believe the accusations of the enemy, you cannot live in victory. Can I just say this, associated with the swirl against revival, Jezebel will always be around to keep you a victim. Victims have no authority, so they have no voice. Are you with me? Jezebel had no authority, therefore no voice, so it wants to steal your authority. Somebody needs to speak, speak up and say to that swirl, Elijah is here. Be diffused. Victims have lost their voices and traded it for a cyclical rhetoric of rehearsed pain. One of the directives that Jesus gave the woman that was called in adultery was go your way. In other words, get on with life. Get on with life. He freed her. He, he, he set her free from her sin and then he freed her into normality and into victory. If you willfully choose to rehearse your past and make it a trophy, you have made an idol in your life. A redeemed past is good for a testimony, but not a ceremony, my friend. It's not good for an essay that you just stand and read aloud for attention. Hear me now. I'm not being unsympathetic. I'm not being uncompassionate. Here's the goal. The goal is to not keep you talking about it. The goal is to keep you testifying how you got out of it and living above it. Get out of the swirl. 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 What you choose to hang on to is going to strangle you one day. So as Jesus told the woman caught, caught in adultery, go your way. Go your way. Live life. Be free. I have set you free. Get in your word. Get in your secret place. Rise above. Come on. He'll use victims. He'll use victims to try to create disunity. 
seen it once, seen it many times. Can y'all still handle this? <laughs> so, when the swirl comes, you rise up in the spirit of the power of Elijah. Now watch this. Get that first picture ready, Matt. The, you release what is called the guttural growl of the lion. And you become a fierce defender and protector of the voice of revival. The guttural growl of the lion. Nope, that's the wrong picture. But now that they've seen it, there you go. In his defense, I gave this to him in praise and worship today. Come on, somebody. In his defense. So look at this majestic lion. It is said that scientists have been puzzled by the unusual effect of the lion's guttural growl. When a lion gives a deep guttural growl, instead of instantly fleeing, animals are momentarily paralyzed, giving the lion a brief moment to strike. Researchers have discovered that along with its roar, the lion utters what is called, you had to be here last week, an infrasound. In other words, it is a sound within the sound. Are you with me? An infrasound. This is a low frequency blast that comes from a lion. It can be standing possibly just like that. That prey does not always hear, but they feel it first. They feel it before they hear it. It's, uh, the scientists say it's like a hit before the hit. Come on, somebody. This is what I want to do to the kingdom of darkness that tries to throw a swirl up in the house of revival, up into a life of a revivalist. I'm teaching you how to stand against the swirl of the demonic. you got to rise up in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and you got to stand there and release a roar that makes them feel that Elijah is here. It makes their prey go into shock. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It can pass through miles and miles of dense mountains and forest jungles. Just that guttural, deep guttural roar of a lion. But if that doesn't work, which most of the time it does, then you can put the second picture up. If God, that guttural roar can do that, think of what the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah will do to the swirl that is going around, coming against revival. All I got to say to the swirl of the demonic is don't make me roar. Come on. Almost done. Almost done. Almost done. Witchcraft, demonic influence from without is a part of the swirl. This is the last one that I'm going to throw into the swirl today, if you will. Never underestimate how much influence your revival voice has. It irritates and motivates the demonic to counterattack. Hallelujah. Rise up, Elijah. The emphasis of Jesus' comparison of Elijah as he was speaking 
about John cannot be ignored. He said he will come forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Get ready to come to the altars. Musicians, come forward. One common characteristic was that they were both confrontation breaker voices, breaking through swirl. I'm trying to help us today. Yes, to unlock the voice. As I have to say every week, this is not a dismissal. This is an altar call. I'm also trying to help you in your personal lives that when things start coming up and some of the things that I've named right here apply to your personal life, you got to diffuse that thing. Come on. I want to see us all make it. Come on. Make it. You got to diffuse that thing. Rise up, Elijah. A common characteristic in Elijah and John and Jesus is they were confrontation breaker voices breaking through the swirl that impeded the voice of revival. Why? Because it's all about preparing the way, opening the way into more. John fought the greatest hindrance to the way of the Lord, the religious system. Elijah fought the spirit that is behind the religious system, which is the principality of Jezebel or perversion or distortion. I can't help but believe this is why Jesus highlighted the spirit and the power of Elijah in John. Jesus used his voice to announce to that spirit in his day, Elijah is here. Don't miss what I just said. Elijah is here. In case you just tuned in and heard what I just said, I am not Elijah. We are not Elijah. But Jesus said, John the Baptist was the greatest, but he who is least, come on, can operate in the same power with the same voice. I say, rise up, Elijah. Rise up, Elijah. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.